Hey, good morning. My name is Gavin. Good to be with you guys. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and uh, I'd invite you to open your Bibles to John, the 8th chapter, verses 31 through 36, that was just read. This is our 20th week in the Gospel of John series, and I hope God has spoken to you through it. I know that he has to me, and uh, do open your Bibles. John chapter 8, that's where we're at. As you turn, let me say, there is no slavery quite like the slavery of being involved in an unwanted group text. Amen? You been there? Being held against your will. It's, it's a strange and cruel captivity. There's nothing like getting the text invitation to a birthday party on Saturday, followed by you know 10 minutes of 35 new text messages, including details of your great uncle's colonoscopy and why your aunt from Vermont can't fly in for the birthday party. And you're like, stop, just make it. Stop. On Friday, I was preparing some notes for this sermon. I've got my Bible open, and I'm praying, taking some notes, and here goes the text message thread. I'm a part of a thread with 15 pastors uh, from the five different City Light churches, and the text thread started with something uh, regarding how do we train city group leaders to be disciple makers. The topic then shifted to various uh, memes, emojis, gifs, etc., dealing with the, the male, unfortunate male fashion trend of the male romper. Have you guys seen the male rompers? Very unfortunate. Chris, if you ever preach in a male romper, the elders will fire you. I promise I'll make sure they do it. And likewise, if I ever wear a male romper, church, fire me because I'm no longer qualified. Amen? Amen. So here goes this text, and I'm trying to write and get spiritual and hear from the Lord and understand my Bible, and and I'm awaiting an important phone call so I can't just silence the phone or put it in the other room. I was being held against my will in a group text slavery. Now I say that to say this, the issue at hand in our passage today is a different kind of spiritual or a different kind of slavery and it's spiritual slavery. Not just being enslaved to an unwanted text thread, uh, but a real deep uh, you know, and pervasive heart issue that affects all of us. Remember, we're in John chapter 8. Context, Jesus is at a prominent religious festival where he's made some extraordinary claims. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He's claimed to be God himself. And some, as we have read, have believed in him. Others have contended against him. But this morning, Jesus is actually going to up the ante. He's going to crank up the heat in his teaching. And he's going to say that we all people are enslaved to sin and that he alone, Jesus Christ, He alone is the one who can liberate us from our slavery. And the question before us, church, for you and me in 2017, is how about us? Are we slaves or are we free? Spiritually speaking, are we in bondage to our slavery or are we free in Christ? And this is a timely question for us because we live in a day and an age and a culture wherein one of our highest virtues, our noblest values, our most desired greatest desired possession is that of freedom. Our culture says your highest honor is to be completely free, and our culture um, has wrongly understood freedom to be complete autonomy from any restraint that would constrict our lives. And so culturally speaking, we believe freedom is being able to do whatever we want to do, that we are free, we just need to sort of shirk any other constraints, moral or otherwise, and let us be free agents. But today Jesus is going to show us that our primary Slavery 
isn't religion or morality or the man or culture or your parents or society, that slavery is not out there, but our greatest slavery is in our hearts, that we are enslaved to sin. And he's going to show us that true freedom is not found in sort of getting rid of everything that may constrain us, but actually coming under the leadership of Jesus Christ, the one and the only one that can lead us to true freedom. And so my goal in preaching this this morning as we sit under the teaching of God's word is, number one, that we would sort of see through the lie that culture says, you know, our greatest and highest thing is, is to be free, and that freedom is doing whatever we want, and that we would see that freedom is really found in Jesus Christ. Freedom is only found in coming under him, under his leadership, his forgiveness, and uh, his leadership in our lives. And so here's what we're going to do. It's going to be a bit of a note taker, okay? So grab your, your program, your note page, grab your iPhone, grab your inferior phone that's not an iPhone, whatever it is, open up some notes. We're going to take some notes, okay? And uh, I was lazy this week, so that's not on your note page, but we're going to have two headings, okay? So you're going to write down the two headings. Here's your first heading. By way of the two main topics that our passage brings about. First heading is the problem of slavery. Write down the problem of slavery. Look at how this conversation starts between Jesus and the listeners in verse 31. It says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Can I get an amen? It's a bumper sticker verse, a familiar verse, and what Jesus is saying is he is the only one that can bring uh, freedom. We're going to deal with the freedom that he brings in the second point, but first, in so telling his religious audience that he is the one who can liberate them, he is inferring that they aren't liberated, that they need freed up from something. Uh, They're going to contest that comment as they rightly infer that he is saying they are enslaved. Look at verse 33. It says, they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Okay, so here's what's going on here. First, the Jews completely understand uh, um, the, the means of freedom that Jesus is talking about. And they assume that he's talking about a physical slavery and not a spiritual slavery. But furthermore, even in their misunderstanding, they're completely disregarding uh, the fact uh, and denial of their own reality. They say, you know, we're Jews. We're, we're offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. Well, that's true, except for Assyria, Babylon, most recently the Roman government. Oh, there was the whole Egyptian thing, right? They had been enslaved. They forgot to mention these. But their heart of their argument is this. Jesus, we don't need freed. We're not enslaved. We are freed people. And you and I, many of us, view ourselves in the same way. I don't need to liberate it. I'm not enslaved to to anyone or anything. I'm a free person. But Jesus is going to drill down his argument and show us the heart of our slavery that was true of his audience and true of us today. He's going to show us that the issue runs a little bit deeper. Look at verse 34. How does he answer? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Okay, Jesus gets right to the heart of the matter. And what does he say our our primary problem is? He says our problem is sin. And he takes us a little bit deeper than our traditional view of sins. Here's how we usually think about sins. We think about committing sins, right? Doing the things which we ought not 
to do. And so if it's lusting or lying or cheating or stealing, we would say these are sins and they are sins. Or we might think of sins as not doing that which we ought to do, right? Which is uh, to not care for the poor, to not serve when given the opportunity. These are sins. But Jesus is going to drill down a little bit deeper and say that those of us who commit sins do so because we are enslaved to sin. It really stems from a sin nature inside of us. Verse 34, what's he say? He who commits sin or practices sin is a slave to sin. What Jesus is showing us is a consistent teaching throughout the Old and New Testaments, which is that we are sinners both by choice and by nature. It's not just that we're sinners because we do sins. It's that we do sins because we are sinners. The problem is a heart issue. We have a heart problem. Let me show you what this practically looks like. Back to my introduction, we think that we are free agents, able to do whatever we want. But what Jesus is showing us is, no, we're not. We're actually enslaved. If you don't believe me, here's our litmus test, okay? We're going to do a little, a, little, uh, a little questionnaire here. We're going to do a little test. So if you think you're a you know, completely free agent, you can do whatever you want. Here's your test. Over the next seven days, today's Sunday, between this Sunday and next Sunday... If you're free to do whatever you want, then go the whole week without complaining a single time, okay? Not with your words, not in your head, not in your heart, no complaints, right? It's biblical Philippians. What's it say? Do everything without arguing or complaining. So if you're free, go the whole week without complaining. How many of you think you can do it, right? Some of you are like, yeah, maybe, maybe I think I could get there. Okay, here's the second test. Additionally, go the whole week without a single selfish thought or action, Okay? The Bible says, don't think higher of yourselves than you should, but think of others greater than yourself. So in other words, go the whole week, no selfish thoughts, only considering the needs of others, not considering the needs of yourself the whole week. Okay? Seven days. You think you can do it? No complaining, no selfish thoughts. If you think you can bat two for two, here's the third one. Go the whole week without a critical or judgmental thought about another human being. Okay? Read the newspaper and don't have a critical thought about another human being. Not even the people you live with, okay? Only kind thoughts, believing the best at every moment towards everyone around you for the next seven days. How do you think you're going to do? For the few of you who think you can pull it off, if you're married, turn to your spouse and ask them, how do you think I could do with this this week? Right? So the question is, then are you really free? I mean, are, are you really free or is there something that Jesus's words is no if 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 you sin the problem is not just your sins the problem is you're enslaved to sin in your heart right i point out the difficulty of obeying these laws over 7 days to show us um, that we're not really as free as we think we are here's the profound truth that Jesus is showing us in this passage we are not free we are always under the leadership of a master always And so freedom is not, will I be under the leadership of a master or will I live free unto myself? That's not an option. The options are, to which masters will I live under? Jesus is every other master, is a sin master that leads you to slavery, but Jesus alone is the master that leads you to freedom. And so freedom is not having a master. Freedom is having the master that leads you to freedom. We are all following some slave master in our heart. So, um, just to make this really practical, before we get into step two, which is the path to freedom, I want us to think about the slavery idea in in a way that's introspective, okay? I want you to take a little bit of inventory of your own heart so so you can appreciate the liberation that Jesus offers you. And I want to ask you, what are the slave masters that govern your own heart? 
Uh, let me give you a few very common ones. Some are obvious, right? If you're addicted to substances, you have a slave master. You know, I could quit drinking anytime I wanted to. Well, you had beer for breakfast, so I doubt it, right? There's some that are, that are obvious. We can be enslaved to substances, sexual addictions, things of the like. But I think there's some even less obvious ones that oftentimes have governance in our hearts. Let me give you five. Let me give you just five. Uh, and these are not out of our text. This is just me helping us understand what is Jesus teaching that we are enslaved to sin. Some of our slave masters. Number one, a common slave master is the need for affirmation. Write these down as you think about your own proclivities in your heart. The person who is a slave to affirmation lives their whole life in search for acceptance. See this a lot with people who never got the affirmation of their father. Right? Dad never validated me. What do we, we search our whole lives? Am I loved? Am I accepted? Am I enough? And we treat all of life like it's an audition, like we're trying out. To be candid, this is something I've struggled with my whole life, the need for affirmation and approval. And it affects every area of our lives, right? What we put on social media, will it get liked? Will it get shared? It can dominate our activity in the workplace. Are we a pushover? Do we, let, do we set boundaries? Uh, it can affect our... Our sexual life, giving ourselves into sexual promiscuity in search of this validation and acceptance. We're not as free as we think we are. Um, there's really something, uh, you know, this need for affirmation can be a functional leader in our life. The first one is affirmation. Second one is control. Common one is control. Control, being driven by a need for control is usually rooted in a fear or an insecurity. You'll often find people in positions of leadership or authority using their intellect or their position or their status to sort of distance their self from other people. And what's really driving them in their heart is their need for control. They'll seek to control all variables in their life, avoiding all risk, all uncertainty, and they're enslaved to their need for control. Third one I'd have you write down is comfort. This is the idol of our culture. Right? We adopt Freud's principle. We want to avoid pain, seek pleasure. We live for the weekend, a bigger TV, in our proverbial paradise of an early retirement with no responsibilities. Our decision-making matrix is what leads us to a snack and a nap. I mean, that's, I want to, whatever leads me to my lazy boy, that's what's going to dictate my life. And it seems like a freedom, but really it enslaves us to living fully alive to God, to being fully alive as a human. We are enslaved to our sin master of comfort. Another one is image. Unlike the slave master of comfort, the master of image will drive us to great pain and discomfort in order to look a certain way, to look good to ourselves and others, and it will take control of our lives. It's a dirty slave master. It will steal your money and put it towards clothes and cosmetics and protein shakes and supplements and whatever it is that you think is going to give you that ideal image and be acceptable to others. The last one to have you write down is security. For many of us, security is a common slave master. You'll hoard, save, insulate, and control resources to give yourself a false feeling of being in control of your own destiny. What does it do? It robs you of being generous. It robs you from just actually enjoying the resources that God has given you as a good gift to his children. And that longing for security can enslave you and drive all of your decisions like a functional God. And so put this list back up on the board. I would ask you as you look at that list, are there any that stand out to you? Are there slave masters that are driving your heart 
I give you these five examples not to overwhelm you, but to help you see we're, we're not really as free as, as we think we are, are we? You think, well, I can do whatever I want. Well, well, actually, all of our hearts are enslaved. And where we think we're a free agent able to do whatever we want, Jesus says, no, 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 no. If you practice sin, it's because you're enslaved to sin. And you can change your sin, and you can change your slave master, but unless your master is Jesus, you are enslaved. And so we're, we're not all that unlike the crowd that says, you know, we're sons of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. Really, are we, though? Jesus says if we practice sin, we are enslaved to sin. And what he's showing us, he's not just giving us bad news. He's, he's showing us reality so that he can give us great news, which is that he came to bring liberation. He came to bring freedom. So we first have to recognize, oh, my heart issues run deeper than I could just quit doing bad things tomorrow. <laughs> We have to realize, no, there's actually a heart issue. There are things in my heart, and I'm going to need a God who operates on a heart level that can come in and set me free. And so the second point I want you to write down is this. Write down the path to freedom. Here's where we see Jesus' words are incredibly powerful and incredibly practical in this passage. Look how Jesus continues on in verse 35. He says, "...the slave does not remain in the house forever." The Son remains forever. In other words, he's saying the freedom that Jesus brings is dramatically different as that of a son and a slave. What freedom does a son enjoy? All the resources of the Father. Complete freedom to come and go as he wants. Uh, he stands to inherit everything that the Father has. What, what rights does a slave have? None of these. He can't come and go. He's stuck. He has no future. He is stuck where he is. Jesus is saying this is the difference between being a slave to your sin and being free in me. Well, how do we get there, Jesus? Verse 36, here's the promise. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Here's what Jesus is saying. There is one free man. There is one Son, and that is Jesus Christ. Never a slave to sin. The Bible says he came to the earth. He was tempted as you and I were, and yet without sin. That means he's never been enslaved to sin. He's only done what pleased the Father. He's only lived as a son of God. Now, in a slave context, who can liberate a slave? Can a slave liberate a slave? No, they're a slave. Can a slave liberate him or herself? No, they have no rights or power to do so. It takes a free man. It takes a son to liberate a slave. Jesus says, I came as the free man. I came as the son. I came as the one who can come and go as he pleases, and I came to rescue you out of slavery. Jesus comes as the son, and he pays an extraordinary price to liberate us from the prison of slavery. Let me give you two categories in which Christ sets us free. I'd have you write these down too. Number one, he sets us free from sin's penalty. This is the great liberating truth of the gospel that for the sinner who trusts Christ, he is guilty no more, but is set free from, from the penalty of sin because Christ paid it all on the cross. Uh, what does he say? If, you, if, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. That means there is an initial and positional freedom that you get when you place your faith in Jesus. Freedom from sin's penalty. The idea is that Jesus, the Son, had no debt to pay for freedom, and yet he paid a debt. Why? On your behalf. He pays the penalty for your sin in your place so that you can be free from sin's penalty. 
And Romans 10, 13 says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so you call in the name of Jesus. Jesus, I am enslaved to my sin, unable to remedy my own situation. Will you set me free? And Jesus promises whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We call this positional freedom. It's a great hymn. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. When we trust Christ, we are free from the penalty of sin because Christ paid it all. If you have not trusted Christ, you're not free. You're enslaved to your sin. And I implore you, trust Jesus today for salvation to make you positionally free from sin's penalty. He offers that to you as a free gift this morning. Second category that Christ sets us free in is in sin's power in the here and the now. Let me show you from our text. I'm not making this up. Look at verses 31 and 32. It says, so Jesus said, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, so Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What does Jesus say? How do we get to freedom? You abide in my word. What Jesus is showing us is that, yes, we come to him for freedom from the penalty of sin when we trust him. But so, too, when we come to him, he sets us free from the power, the pull of sin that governs our hearts and our lives and our decision-making. And he tells us how how to get there. He says, abide in his word. In other words, he's telling us that it's not enough just to have a momentary euphoric high with God. But the word abide means remain. It means to continue on continuing. It means an ongoing going on with Jesus and his word. He says that we'll ultimately be free, not when we've shaken off every constraint and restraint that wants to give leadership to our lives, but when we come under the right leadership that leads to freedom, Jesus and his word. Learning his word, learning to obey his word, learning to remain in his word, it liberates us and sets us free. That's the freedom Jesus is talking about. Church, city of Omaha, modern 2017 people, freedom is not in doing whatever you want. Jesus is showing that leads to slavery. Freedom is following the free one, which is Jesus. He gives you light, and he gives you life, and he gives you ultimate freedom. And his invitation is this. You can know you have absolute salvation when you've trusted in Jesus Christ, placed your faith in him, and then shake off the constraints the slave masters in your life that are leading you to be controlled and manipulated by other people's opinions and the need for control. and the, Jesus wants you free from that. How? Abide in his word. Let it take reins in your heart. Romans says that um, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. We renew our minds. How? We abide in the word of God. That's why we love the Bible. We love our Bibles because it shows us the way of salvation. We love our Bibles because it sets us free from all these slave masters that govern our hearts. It's been the Bible that God used to show me that I don't need to live for your approval and affirmation because I have the approval and affirmation of my heavenly Father through the person of Jesus. See that? It's through the Bible that I've realized I don't need to play it safe and keep control because I've read the pages of this book that say there's a sovereign God who governs the cosmos in my life and I don't need to hang on to everything because Jesus is really in control. He sets our minds free, how we abide in the word of God. Now, I want to end this sermon very, very practically, okay? 
I've been a Christian since I was about 16 years old. I've always had a longing to read my Bible, but I've always been really bad at it. Okay, just true story. Since I was a new Christian, I would hear sermons like this, you know, got to be in the Bible, be in the Word of God, abide in the Word. Think, okay, I'm going to do it this week, you know, and I'd read my Bible every day for two weeks, then I'd miss a day, then I'd feel guilty, and then I'd miss a week, and next thing I know, I'm like, where's my Bible? Oh, it's in the back of my car, where it's been for three months since I went to church. And uh, you guys are all looking at me like you're judging me. I'm glad you've never done that and read your Bible every day. But for me, it's been a struggle. I've had to discipline myself to abide in the Word of God. And Jack Arendt taught me a tool about 13 years ago. This helped me to abide in the Word of God, and I want to teach it to you today. I want it to be very, very practical. And so as you sat down, you got a little bookmark that says SOAP on the top, and that is an acronym. Uh, stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. I want you to take this with you. This is going to be a tool that as a church, we're going to practice abiding in the Word of God. So let me show you how this works. In the very end, I'm going to give us a challenge. It's going to be the summer of soap at City Light, okay? So buckle up for your challenge. Uh, Here's how this works. At any point in time, pick a book of the Bible and read through it. It doesn't matter. Old Testament, New Testament, I just finished 1 Corinthians, my own Bible reading. Um, I kind of go back and forth. If you're looking for a place to start, you can start in John. We're there. Just start back in chapter 1. I love the short epistles, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, because they're five or six chapters. Uh, You know, it's pretty fresh all the time. Just pick one. It doesn't matter. And every day that you do this, you're just going to read a chapter of the Bible. Just read the next chapter, whatever's next. Here's a Jack taught me. You need to pray first. You need to pray, God, you're speaking. Would you help me to listen? John 10.10, what's Jesus say? My sheep hear my voice. So we come to to it with the premise, Jesus is going to speak to me. So we pray, God, speak to me. Okay. Then we read a chapter of the Bible. You finish the chapter of the Bible, and then you need a notebook, or you can even use the little notebook in your phone. I do a lot in my phone. And so you can record it there. Uh, But very simply, the S stands for soap, or the S stands for scripture. So you read your chapter, it stands for soap too. Um, and you just ask, okay, was there, was there an idea or a verse that kind of stood out to me? And here's what I want you to do. You just write down that verse, word for word, and you put the reference down. There's some more comments on your bookmark, but keep it simple. Just write down the verse. Write down the little reference. And then O stands for observation. You're going to say, okay, why did that stand out? You know, what's going on in the Bible around this? What, what's, what's really the heart of this, and what stands out? What do I think that means? And you're going to write down one or two sentences, an observation about that verse, why it stood out. Okay? And then the A is for application. Here's where it gets practical. You know, how many of us have read our Bibles, flipped through, you get three chapters in, someone says, what'd you read? Well, I don't remember. <laughs> well, this is going to help us remember and apply it. So you're going to ask the question, how can I apply this to my life this week? Is there a, a promise I need to re- remind myself of? Is there something I can live out this week? Keep it real specific and real short. Jot it down. Write an application. And then P is prayer. We need the Holy Spirit to help us obey God and to remain in his truth, to set us free from the patterns of this world and the slavery in our hearts. You just write out a simple prayer. And, uh, you know, do it a couple times a week. And uh, it's just a helpful way to keep a steady diet of abiding in the word of God. And uh, you've always got a fresh word then. You know, you can say, someone can say, well, what's God teaching you lately? And you don't have to make something up anymore. How many of us have done that? What's God teaching you? Oh, he's teaching me patience, you know, because I've been waiting for this transition at work. No, you just made that up. You just, you know, now it's like you'll have a fresh word that God's teaching you. And uh, so I thought it'd be fun. I just grabbed my last journal that I filled up, and uh, I just want to read some soaps. Is that okay? I want to just give us some examples. Keep it very simple. I keep it to one side of one page 
If you take an hour and a half to do a soap journal, you'll do it once and never again. Okay, 10 minutes. It's the idea we want to abide, make it a habit. Oh, I forgot. And the very last thing you do is you title it. Write a title at the top. It just helps you remember it. So here's a few soaps. I just went through this last night. Uh, this one is called Shameless Dancing. S, scripture. I wrote down, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Second uh, Samuel seven sixteen. Okay, I just wrote down the verse. David's dancing naked. It's great. His wife's not a big fan. Sarah has a problem when I do that too. The neighbors are like, what's he doing? Kim's like, put some pants on, man. Um, oh, observation. I wrote down, David's love for God far exceeded his concern for the approval of man. God made an everlasting covenant with, to set him on the throne and made his presence with him. How does he not celebrate and rejoice? Okay. A, application. What do I need to apply? I wrote down, the joy in my heart should affect my body and face. <laughs> God's people celebrate. I will choose joy to rejoice in the Lord and ask God to make my joy evident to those around me. And P, I just said, God, you've kept your covenant with David. Jesus is his offspring who now sits on the throne, and I have been grafted in. I will celebrate before you, O God. Would you make my joy evident to those around me? Here's another one. I titled this, Is Today Today? And S, Scripture. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 3.13. So I write down, oh, observation. What do I observe? I wrote down, the church is an amazing thing. Here the community is told to daily exhort each other as a means of keeping our hearts soft toward God and free from the hardening effects of sin. So A, application. I said, well, today is called today. So to obey God, I have to exhort my brothers to walk with Jesus, turn from sin, and keep a soft heart toward God. I will pray for and look for opportunities to do this. And then P, Jesus, first, would you keep me from growing calloused and hard of heart? Would you give me grace to fight sin and walk in faith? I have no idea what this word says. Write in legible handwriting. That's your next tip. Don't know. It says uh, something. Would you give me opportunities to exhort others today? And would you protect the people of City Light Church from the deceitfulness of sin? Give you one more. See, it's fun because you can go back and read, you know, what was God teaching me in August? Well, I'll tell you. What was he teaching me in January? Oh, which one? It's hard. Um, Okay. This one's called No Divas in the Kingdom. S, Scripture. But striking a reef, uh, they ran the vessel aground. But Paul, uh, when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks... And put them on a fire, dot, dot, dot. That's Acts 27, 41. My observation was, Paul was the man. He was the apostle, church planter, and leader. But when their ship crashed on the island with 276 people on board, Paul was quick to serve, even with menial tasks like gathering sticks for the fire. He was living out the kingdom ethic that King Jesus taught, modeled and ultimately displayed on the cross, that leaders serve. A, application, I said, this week... I'll prayerfully look for five specific tasks at home and in the office to serve in a way that I normally wouldn't. P, Jesus, thank you that you didn't come to be served by me, but to serve me and give your life as a ransom for me. See how that works? Ten minutes a day. 
You're going to open up the Word of God, and you're going to let God speak to you, and then you write it down. And so here's our challenge, okay? I want this to be the summer of soap. And I believe this is more than just a religious routine. You guys, this is our pathway to freedom. Are you enslaved to people's approval? Are you enslaved to the need of control? Are you enslaved to pass guilt? Jesus wants to liberate you. And how's he going to do it? He says, abide in my word. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so church, would we be a liberated church? So here's how we're going to practice the summer of soap. There are 14 weeks between now and the end of August. So here's your challenge. Get your little bookmark. Put it in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we have free Bibles in the back at the Get Connected, whatever that is, table. So there's no excuse. You can download a free app on your phone. And uh, you can do as much as you want. But here's the challenge. Just one soap a week, okay? You will have 14 words from God, personal to you, by the end of the summer if you do one soap a week. Keep it short. Keep it simple. Write it down. And then your next challenge is share it with someone. So if you have roommates, share it with your roommates. Uh, If you have a family, share it with your parents. You can lead your parents spiritually by saying, Dad, can I tell you what God taught me? What a witness. You can lead your children spiritually by not telling them, thus saith the Lord, but saying, guess what the Lord said to me? Think about that. And then here's a challenge. What if you shared it on your social media thread? If you've got Facebook, what if 15, 16, 1700 people from City Light shared a fresh word of God on their Facebook page to permeate a really dark world and culture with some light and some freedom to generate conversation? Would we abide in the word of God? And so take the bookmark, take your Bible, and uh, join me in the summer of soap. I'll put out a blog, maybe some videos, some more resources online, but I want us to take this seriously and do it, okay? I think Jesus is going to set us free uh, by abiding in his word. So let me, let me close with this. City Light, we are enslaved to our sin, but the good news is Jesus is the son who came to set us free. We can't liberate ourselves, and yet he came as the guilt sacrifice to set us free from sin's penalty. And now he's given us his word and his Holy Spirit to retrain our patterns, to retrain our minds, to retrain our thinking, not to suppress us with religion, but to liberate us from the sin slaves in our heart. Would we be a church that's ever being liberated from the strongholds of sin? Amen? Let's pray that this would be true. Jesus, you said that in you we will find freedom and that if you set us free, we will be free indeed. Jesus, thank you that you have come to set us free. God, I pray for anyone in the room who has not been set free from sin's penalty, that they even now would receive your free gift of eternal life, that they would just acknowledge, Lord, I am enslaved to my sin. Couldn't quit if I wanted to. And you are a holy and righteous God, and I stand before you condemned. But I believe that Jesus the Son came. He paid the penalty that I deserved and rose to give me new life. And in this moment, I now receive it. I receive your grace. I welcome your truth. Would you set me free from sin's penalty? And now, Father, for all of us, more and more progressively, would we be set free from the lies that we believe and the sin in our hearts? But would our minds and our hearts be renewed by abiding in your word that you might set us free for your glory, for our good. In Jesus' name, amen.